What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I am Mitch, and I am one of your hosts, and on this week's episode, Kyle and I welcome our friend and fellow podcaster, Lindsay Wilkins, from the Schlock and Awe podcast. Schlock and Awe is a double-feature podcast, so for this episode, we decided to tackle a couple of Lindsay's picks, uh, which was two Australian horror films made in Melbourne, where Lindsay resides. So today we will be talking about Body Melt from 1993 and Lake Mungo from 2008. This was a ton of fun, and if you haven't yet, please be sure to give Schlock and Awe a listen. Before we let this week's episode roll, I'd also like to share a few words from this week's sponsors. Direct West is a proud partner of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Direct West has a local expert team right here in Saskatchewan that will work with you to build your website exactly how you imagine it. Let them help you improve your online presence and head to directwest.com to learn more. All right, and thanks again, as always, for listening and enjoy this week's episode of The Terror Table. And we're back at the terror table. I am Mitch. Alongside me, as always, I got... You got Kyle. Kyle is back once again. So, uh, what, what, what's that? Fool me once. Shame on you. What, what's the saying, Kyle? I think the saying is, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I think, that, I think that's what the saying is. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, either way, Kyle is back, uh, but Boozy's not here this week. He was feeling under the weather, but it's okay because we have a very special episode planned today. Today, we are joined by our friend Lindsay Wilkins from the Schlock and Awe podcast all the way in Melbourne, Australia. How are you doing, Lindsay? I'm doing really great. Thanks so much for having me and second Melbourne person, which um, is even better. Yeah, that's, that's right. crazy, especially in the same month. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm loving all the Melbourne representation at the moment. It's it's absolutely amazing to see. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. So, but today we're going to be talking about a double feature. Uh, we sort of we'll we'll explain more why we're doing a double feature briefly. Uh, but we are going to be talking about two Australian horror films: uh, Lake Mungo from 2008 and Body Melt from 1993. Uh, so the reason we are talking about these two films is a Lindsay is from Australia. And you also, you recommended these films for the episode <laughs> and you host a podcast I apologize. Called, <laughs> and you host a podcast called Schlock and Awe. Can you explain to our listeners what Schlock and Awe is? Uh, Schlock and Awe is a double feature podcast um, that I sort of started up to be able to talk to people like um, you and Kyle or you two. Um, and it's just basically it was, it, it kind of meant to be like a high and low pairing. So you have like an awe inspiring movie and a schlocky pairing. I don't do that as often. I think I've just said I've broken most of my rules, but it's just um, usually trying to find two movies that maybe don't necessarily on the face of it have a lot in common. But when you actually watch them side by side, you realize that they have share all these little intertwining little things. And um, yeah, so it's been a whole bunch of fun to do. Yeah, it's awesome. I've been a, I've, you know this already. I've said it numerous times, but I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a listener and I've been enjoying it every single week. And I was even on the show a couple of weeks ago where we talked about Cherry Falls and Pleasantville. Yes, Beautiful. we did. Beautiful. Um, no, coming from you, that means a lot. Thanks, Mitch. Um, but no, yeah, we had a, a Cherry Falls, uh, Pleasantville extravaganza and it was a shit ton of fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. But Kyle, are you a Pleasantville stan? Oh, I fuck hard with Pleasant Hill. Great film. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. who's Who your favorite it? character? Um, I like Tobey Maguire mostly. 
because what's his name in that movie again? Oh god, oh, god. I can't even remember. I kind of remember um, that. <laughs> I like Toby. I like Toby in that film because he's kind of a jackass, but in a way that I enjoy. Yeah, I thought you'd like uh, Paul Walker in that because he audibly gets an erection in that film and it announces it. I'm more of a running scared Paul Walker kind of guy. <laughs> There's been a lot of running scared talk on Twitter recently. Uh-oh. Uh, maybe maybe so, I take that back. Maybe I take that back. <laughs> I don't know the context. <laughs> no, people, there's there's some new there's some newfound love coming out about Running Scared recently, which is cool to see. That's a movie that I loved when it came out last Same time here. I watched. I, I haven't seen it in like 15 years, but I did. Oh, like God. It. The um, last, time, last time I watched it. it. Yeah, okay. the, the last time I watched it, I think it was like right when quarantine hit. So I was like not in the right mindset and it was just too much. <laughs> it's such a crazy movie. No, I showed my partner this movie in quarantine because we're just um, finding something to watch. And then the first five minutes started. I'm like, oh, crap. I remember this. Not sure, not sure how he would take what is about to happen in this movie very well. But he loved it. It was such a yay. I love I love Running Scared. It is such an <laughs> underrated movie. So yeah, I was savage. happy to see all the love for it, especially some of the, the stuff that happens in this movie. Holy crap. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing that surprised me most. Shout out Matt Bledsoe at the Film Feast podcast, mm. listening to him and Daniel talk about it. I was like, for sure Daniel's going to hate this movie. Uh, <laughs> but he just fucking loved it, which is awesome. But yeah, let's talk about the movies that we're here to talk about today. Uh, right. So, Lindsay, you are on a horror movie podcast. And yes, this is a this is a rhetorical question for me. But are you a horror fan? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, a newish horror fan. Like, um, I didn't really get into it into my late teens and 20s. Um, but no, I love horror. I absolutely love it. The more I watch it, the more I need more of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's the kind of stuff that you gravitate towards? Or do you have like a, a first memory with the genre? Uh, my first, Well, my first memory of it is Jaws when I was about three or four. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it just playing on TV and me seeing this thing and just it traumatized me, I think, um, to the point where I would run out of the room every time I heard that William score. So what my older brother, older sister and older brother used to do is they taped it on a tape deck. So every time, because they're a little bit older than me, so every single time I annoyed them or was just being a three or four-year-old, um, they'd play that score and I would just bolt from the room. There was no way I was letting that shark get me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that's awesome. So like, yeah, so Jaws, that's clearly, I don't know if you, yeah, I, I think you have probably heard by now because you listen to the show and everything, but that's my favorite movie of all time. And yes, uh, yes. one of the, that was like my first experience as well. So like, where did you go from that? Like, what's the kind of stuff that excites you nowadays? Uh, all kinds of stuff. Like this, the kind of the weirder, um, the weirder, the better. Like I love Nightmare Logic, like uh, Suspiria is mm -hmm. one of my favorite. Uh, movies, oh, yeah. um, just because you were just in this completely different world and it's all about the texture and uh, everything else. Um, I'm a sucker for any kind of um, ghost story. I don't know, stuck in a house um, where weird things are happening, speaking of the movie we're coming up with, um, I just <laughs> tend to absolutely love. I remember really getting into it um, with Scream just because I was the perfect age when that movie came out. I was about 16, um, and that movie just blew my mind because um, I love uh, mysteries and noirs and procedurals and all that kind of stuff. So to have, um, I didn't realize slashes could be, even though now I know that's the staple of the slasher genre, but to have like a whodunit in there, just that first scene with Drew Barrymore on the phone just completely blew my mind. Um, but yeah, no, I love all kind of weird things. Like I love Italian. Um, I'm getting in, I'm being getting into Japanese horror at the moment 
because that's some fucked up stuff that you'll never see anywhere else. Um, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I can take, I'll take whatever I can get, but I definitely, anything creature like Jaws, um, ghosts kind of everything like that i absolutely love so yeah you were mentioning like you see so you're a big fan of like the dario argento suspiria oh yes dario argento though i do like the remake just because it's so different <laughs> yeah. from um the original but the 1977 i love that movie so much yeah it's, it's been so a while good. since i've seen the original one i really got to go back to it i love that the remake so much that it's it's kind of like more it's more imprinted in my brain now at this point unfortunately so well maybe not unfortunately but it's yeah. just such a Kyle yeah, movie it, too, though. It really is. It's just like <laughs> they like made that for me. I was oh, like, yeah. it's always a nice feeling when that happens. <laughs> oh, I was in the theater just dying. I was like, man, I might sit for another three hours and watch it again. Like, let's roll the tape. <laughs> yeah, like you gave it five stars, if I remember, on Letterboxd. I think so. Maybe four and a half. I don't know. I'm a little flaky on the. Box, I think it was but... five, which would be two stars more than White Chicks, which you just watched on Letterboxd. Hold up. Wait a minute. I did just watch White Chicks for the first time. Um, I don't know if we want to get into that. There's a lot to unpack there, actually. But Well, Lindsay, do you yeah. want to talk about some horror movies? Like, we can just kind of have a roundtable? Absolutely. Table? Yeah, no, absolutely. Been looking forward to this. Lindsay, I'm taking a look at the Schlockenaut Twitter right now. And I got to say, I'm stoked on this double feature of Longshot, Seth Rogen's Longshot, and Election. Yeah. I saw that too. I love that is that. <laughs> that's something else. I'm going to peep that. That sounds great. Election. Election's amazing. Election is yeah, it a came lot. out, and I forgot. Then I rewatched it recently, and I completely forgot how fucked up that movie is. Like, I forgot all the sexual shenanigans that was that were going on. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah, that weird. was that was my dark horse, uh, my dark horse win of the '90s and fantasy Oscars. I, I nominated Election, and both of them were like, "Fuck, I forgot about Election," and it ended up winning. <laughs> it, that's right. I was so yeah. happy when that won because I was like, going, "Yeah, oh, yeah, it's my <laughs> favorite pain movie." Ele- Election is a, is essential viewing. You got you got. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, except well, for I watched that with my parents when it first came out, and that is not essential viewing. Do not recommend. <laughs> ten out of ten. Oh no! I that sounds like my family. Like my dad would just go, "Hey, we're gonna watch Boogie Nights tonight." I'm like, "Dad, it's Christmas <laughs> oh, yeah. Day. Nana's oh, here. You're serious?" Yeah. God, <laughs> that, that's my that family too. Yeah. It's a movie with Mark Wahlberg where he's like a rock star. Rock star. <laughs> is it just called Rock Star? <laughs> Yeah, he does yeah, well, call himself a rock star multiple times. Yes. No, but Kyle's talking about there is the actual movie Rockstar. Oh shit! I forgot about that movie. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. I knew it was called something like that. That was not a good. I mean, that sticks out in my brain as like a bad like parent watch. I don't know exactly yeah, why, but yeah. I saw it in the drive-in theater with my dad. So Sick. yeah, and <laughs> not great. But that was the worst when I would tell kids that my favorite movie is Almost Famous, and everyone would be like, "I don't like Mark Wahlberg." I'm like. Fuck. <laughs> It's not the same movie. Damn it. Roasted. Like, I, I mean, I will, I will openly, I openly don't like Mark Wahlberg now, but yeah, that's besides Mark the point. Uh, <laughs> all right. Should we, should we get into some films here? Yeah. Let's hear about white chicks. Yeah. White. Ch- okay. To be honest, I just never saw white chicks just because it's one of those films where I feel like I knew everything about it before I had seen it. It's just one of those. Um, I can report now that in 2021, I would say half of white chicks really holds up and the other half does not. And I think that's that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> that's it, eh? I'm gonna leave it I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, Terry Crews kills it. <laughs> might be his that might be his performance of his career, whether any of us want to deny it or not. <laughs> uh, he's good in so many he's good in the Friday movies. You can't tell me he's not amazing in that though. <laughs> well, I think white chicks. It's been a very long time since I've seen white chicks and I've had no desire to watch it again. It was a weird one, but, but also, also very much, psycho. very much up my alley. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> okay, I got a real one for you. Um, oh, you don't want to let our guest have the next one? Jesus Christ, Kyle. <laughs> I didn't know if white chicks counted. I'm not really trying to talk about white chicks too much. <laughs> but sure, Lindsay, please go ahead. Please, please. Oh, um, okay. I'm going to go with, um, after rewatching um, The the Night Comes For Us, I went on a Timo, I'm going to butcher his name, Tangento uh, kick. So I'm going to talk about the May the Devil Take You. From oh, I still haven't seen this one. Yeah, it's good. It's kind of a pretty stock standard possession movie, but um, I just really like the way the guy directs. So it's just a really sort of fun, dad has a curse pretty much on him and daughter has to figure out what exactly is happening with some really nice sort of ghost kind of stuff. But this was just kind of up my alley, haunted possession kind of movie. So no, it was definitely a cool movie. Awesome. Yeah, I see it that because... I think that's on Shutter. And May the Devil Take You too. Two. Yes, I like that. Two. <laughs> Have you seen that one as well? No, not yet. It's on my watch list and especially on to Shutter. Um, I was going to watch just a couple of horror movies like that one before I recorded, but then I got called into work yesterday. So all my oh, plans okay. were torn asunder. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Awesome. That already sounds great to me because that's, that's falling in line with Step Up to the Streets. That's good name. That's good titling right there. Exactly. See, you could absolutely pair those two. Those are absolutely fantastic. <laughs> now that's a double feature right there. Yeah, it is. There we go. <laughs> right. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, speaking of double features, I, I'm, I'll, I'll split these up, but uh, I did, I watched two double features recently by accident, and I decided to save one of them for this episode since we have Lindsay here. But I watched The Neon Demon for the first time, <laughs> and I paired it by accident with Mulholland Drive. By David Lynch. <laughs> that is a really amazing pairing. I saw you watch that and I was like, that is damn that's it's good. <laughs> kind of unreal how like I, I wasn't even thinking about how they're they have so much in common. Like, mm. or at least there are some like very common threads in it. But I'm gonna go with the neon demon first. So uh, I'm assuming both of you guys have seen this one. I know Kyle has. Oh, I've definitely seen this one. <laughs> have you seen it, Lindsay? Uh yes, yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. So like when this one came out, I was going through some shit. It uh, was not, I was nowhere near the right mindset for a Nicholas Winding Refn movie at that time. Uh, You have to to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And like, especially in like this, this was like the post drive phase of his career where he was just like essentially trying to make movies that mainstream audiences would hate. And (laughs) Like, I don't know. I think he was just pissed off because James Franco also started wearing a scarf. So he needed to, uh, he needed to bump up his his hipster cred and just make movies that were very difficult to watch. Reference yes. all reference all about the power blanket though. Do you guys know about the power blanket? Explain. Is this was this touched on in the documentary about his life? It definitely is, which is a well, maybe not great. But that's what made worth, me hate him. It's worth watching. I want to know him so bad. He I that's a guy know. who was not bullied enough. That's strong. Mm. I don't know if it's in the no, documentary. Remember, but the power blanket is that he wears this blanket around his. Or it's more of like a, what are they called? What's like Linus's blanket? A blanket? I don't know. It's like a little handkerchief blanket that goes around his stomach. And he wears it while he's on set directing because it gives him power and he needs to wear it. <laughs> oh my that God, is okay. definitely yeah, I, a man who directed um, Only God Knows. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, only God forgives. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah exactly. Only God, only God forgives. Sorry, yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're uh, you're absolutely correct with the half an hour karaoke scene. Yeah, like I that's the thing though is as much as like I'm making fun of him and everything, and he is for sure up his own ass. Oh, totally. I like oh, his shit, and I like this movie a lot. 
I really, really dug the Neon Demon. And like, because that's the thing is like, I, I didn't watch it when it first came out because so many people that I knew were talking about how it's like actually unwatchable. And I was like, Ooh. yeah, I just, oh man. But they, well, they were all people who I, I thought back to it. And these are all people who also hated movies like Funny Games and Under the Skin. So like, of course, okay. you know, yeah. like, it's not that ca- th- these are the types of movies that definitely are not for everybody. And uh, like, fair. I can, I can understand not liking this kind of stuff, but I don't know, man, I was, ex- I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. I really, really liked it. And I just think that like, like Refn, he, he's so like, to me, this is him almost at his best, like obviously drives him at his best, but this is as far as him becoming like full on hipster douche, <laughs> he's still like, he's straddling a line where it works so well. And like all oh, yeah. the actors in this movie just committed and they were great. Like that. I normally am not a fan of Jenna Malone, but she like stole this movie. She was so good. Oh, Her and, mm-hmm. and, uh, Elle Fanning. Like she, I don't think I've seen Elle Fanning in a lot of things, but I thought she, she was, was so good in it. She was really like popping off that like 2016, 2017. She was in so much stuff around that time. And it was a perfect time for her to be in a film like that because it kind of gave her some more, I don't know, I guess like indie cred or I suppose. Yeah. Art house cred. Well, it was, it's a very mature role. That's and true. And she well, was only 16 in it. So, um, right. Which thematically specific, makes Yeah, sense. which make, makes perfect sense. But at the same time, when that scene where I won't say what Jim Malone is actually doing, but when she's fantasizing about Al Fanning, it's this really disturbing scene because you're watching it going, right. she's 16. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, um, oh, it, my God. Which yeah, is completely on purpose. But it's, yeah. Um, yeah, it, I love this movie. Um, I was so excited that because I wanted to show people and it was the wrong movie to show people because I actually showed a friend because she, I can't remember what she liked that was surprised by, but anyway, oh yeah, watch Neon Demon. I got this text going, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh oh God. Yeah, no, that the these are those like, those ones that you just, you don't want to recommend to the crowd that you'll recommend like The Conjuring to, you know? Oh, no. It's not really like in that same vein. In fact, I never... That's no never disrespect even... to either end. I love both of those movies. But oh, of course not. No, I totally agree. People. Yeah. I never would have even... I don't really consider Neon Demon... Like, now I would, but even probably when I first saw it, I wouldn't really consider it like a strict horror film. I think now that we're kind of a post... A twenty four era, it definitely fits well, itself in. Like I remember, that's historically proven on the tear table that I had to tell you that you were a horror fan because you <laughs> right. thought that you did. You thought you didn't like horror movies, but it's like, dude, all of your favorite movies are horror. Like Under the Skin is a horror movie. Well, it's just that I, you know, I, whatever. We no, it's because you time, you but... think that it, you're more elevated and you're more above horror that you look down on it, and that's right. why you come on the shows because you just want to bring us down. Well, my my uh. My, my craft uh, vials of my own farts do smell great, so I, I, make, <laughs> I make sure that that um, is just part of my regimen. You know, I just like to, I don't want to forget it, but now Neon Demon, though, in all seriousness, is a is a banger. I love this movie. It's I, like I, I I was so excited when this movie was coming out. I was it was like my most anticipated film of that year. I yeah, and it held up. I I look back on it fondly. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like so I, I forgot about the Keanu Reeves thing. Oh, I think that's what she was. My friend was most upset by. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. I, well, there's some uncomfortable stuff in there for sure. Like without a doubt. I mean, you already alluded oh. to something, Lindsay, but yes. Yeah. You'll know yeah. when you get there. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you guys take a look, I think it's, Oh God, what it's called. Oh yeah. Katy Perry's 2017 album witness. Look at that yeah. album cover. When you have a second, very neon demon esque. <laughs> I'll take a look. Please. please um, me too. But yeah, so I'm going to, that's uh, my review of the Neon Demon. A big fan. Looking forward to checking it out again someday. I've Kyle? seen the movie multiple times. It's, it's, it's an incredible movie. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I'm. We will return to my double feature of Mulholland Drive after we go around the the circle. The go around the table here, Kyle. What else you seen? Okay, well, or, or you could talk about Mulholland Drive now if you want. Do they compare and contrast, or do you want to, or should we go around? What do you think? Uh, well, I'll just be quick about Mulholland Drive then, if that's the case, because that's a movie that you could talk about for an hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to do my best to not do that. But yeah, this was the first rewatch of Mulholland Drive since. I thought you were going to say first time, and I was genuinely oh, so shocked. Yeah, no, no, I, I had seen this before, but it was a long time ago. And I was at an age where I couldn't fully appreciate David Lynch yet, I believe. Um, cause twin peaks was really where I got like super into David Lynch and right. now I like every single thing that he does. Uh, but yeah, Mulholland drive, this was the, I just, I was not feeling well after I'd gotten the, the shot. So I was at home in bed and I was kind of in like that dazed phase and I was just super tired and like, Oh, I am in the perfect place to watch a David Lynch movie. So I did. And uh, yeah, like, I don't know, Lynch's fairy tale, like neo-noir aesthetic is just very much my jam. I love it. Like this movie, I know it actually was supposed to be a Twin Peaks movie and it totally feels like that. Like it feels like it could be in the exact same, in the same world and everything. I think um, at some point it was supposed to be a television series as well. Like I, I know yeah. that for a fact because yeah, I, it, at one point it was on YouTube. I think it's taken down now, but the, the television cut exists out there somewhere. Yep. No, that's true. Yeah. I read about that afterwards as well. Cause yeah. Okay. So it, it's just like a really, it, it feels like a twin peaks movie to me and Lynch's films always just give me anxiety, but in different ways. But I think like, have, have both of you guys seen Firewalk with me? I've actually never seen Firewalk with me. No, I need to. I have a weird relationship with Lynch where I love him, but he makes me so uncomfortable and awkward. Like you were saying before. Oh my God. Um, that, that, that there are exactly certain movies it that I just am like, I need to be in a mood to watch a Lynch film to actually be able to sit down and go, right, let's do this. Yeah. And to appreciate it and everything. Well, the, yeah. it, with, with that being said, Lindsay, like, uh, and I know this could be sacrilege to a lot of Lynch fans, but to me, Firewalk with me, it could give me a heart attack someday. Like it, it makes me so uncomfortable. That movie gives me anxiety in ways that other, like no other movie is comparable to it. And it's just like, you know, obviously you should see Twin Peaks before you go into Firewalk with me. But goddamn, that movie is nuts. And oh, I feel like... Oh, what's yeah, that? So I was just saying, uh, my first experience with um, Mulholland Drive was the exact same thing. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause that, but that's the thing is like, it is super intense. But I feel like Mulholland Drive is a, opposed to like other stuff like uh, Firewalk with me is it just kind of seems like it's more focused on the mystery and like the unconventional storytelling. But the thing yeah. is, like, that storytelling makes you anxious in and of itself. Like, everything about his style is just, like, it gets you on edge, but it's also just so cool. I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm trying to explain that noir coolness. Mm. It's been a while since I've seen Mulholland Drive 2, but I feel like, at least how I remember it, I always felt that it was a little bit more digestible than some of his other, like, feature films. I think it absolutely is. Yeah. Mm. Which is a good place to start, maybe, if, like, I don't know. You don't want to watch Twin no, Peaks. No, go to Eraserhead. <laughs> I, <guess, laughs> I, I mean, I guess Give you got to do, <laughs> do the homework first, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But no, yes, yeah, I I love Mulholland Drive. And on this rewatch, it went up in my books in, in terms of favorite Lynch movies. Like, I think Blue Velvet's still at the top there. Yeah, but that's it's, my favorite. Yeah, it's, it's moving up there. Mulholland Drive is so good. Uh, so, Lindsay, do you want to knock one off? Oh, isn't Kyle next or... Well, oh, I'm guessing. Go, yep. 
Kyle, did you watch anything else or was it just white checks? <laughs> I watched something else, Mitch. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm excited. And you knew about it too and you forgot. I, I don't really know what to think. Oh, right wait. Now. Okay, yeah, right. Sorry. Lindsay, you need to have it known right now that Mitch is disrespecting me in front of an entire audience. And No, uh, I, I, I can tell. I can feel your pain. It's, um... <laughs> oh, I need okay. Boozy here to beat up on you. At, with at, least, at least someone knows. At least someone knows. <laughs> no, okay, I'm on your side, well, Kyle. It's okay. <laughs> Okay, we need that in writing. <laughs> All right, so I did I did watch a film. It's one I've been meaning to watch. I guess, I don't even know. This movie's been in circulation for a long-ass time, but uh, obviously it's a bit more accessible right now, and that is Saint Maud. Have you guys... I know Mitch, you've seen this yeah, one. Have you seen baby. this one? Yes, I have seen Saint Maud. Okay, awesome. So I don't really know exactly how you feel about this film, but for me, I went into it, I guess... I wouldn't say my expectations were lukewarm because I definitely had heard good things, but truthfully, like just on like the teaser trailer I saw like over a year ago, I wasn't like totally sure what to expect. It seemed sort of like, I don't know, kind of this potentially, um, how do I put this nicely? We're getting a lot of A24 films. <laughs> so I'm starting yeah. to get worried that maybe a lot of them are similar. Um, I'm happy to report that I found this one to be one that actually really sticks out of the crowd and shines in a, in a lot of ways. I totally fucking dug St. Maud. Uh, it took me for a ride because like the general atmosphere of this film really captivated me like from the get go essentially, because it has this really cool look and feel to it where it feels maybe vintage or from a different era, but it's completely contemporary. And yeah. that to me is something that is like really, really hard to accomplish. So the production design in this film is top fucking notch. Like really, I knew really you'd be jizzing <laughs> everywhere over that production design. That's such Kyle. <laughs> well, porn. It's good. It's good that it's not like, like oh shade carpet. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that regard, it's great because it's not really like in your face about it. It's just really well executed. Like it's not like I don't know. It's, it's not, not the like, focal point. It's not the focal point. It's not flashing like a big like oh look at me, look at me type of, type design. But for me, that was what immediately caught my attention. And the score is fucking great. The score it's is like, so good. It's kind of so. like this. It's minimal when it needs to be, and then it's like really engaging when it like has to be. And it, I don't know. I I, I love a score like that that clearly like takes the time to know like what mood the film is trying to come across with, and then also sort of like playing into the audience. Not necessarily their expectations, but maybe like what they could be feeling and not how they should be feeling, which which is great. Um, Maud is a badass, a straight badass. She yeah. really um, is. Uh, like I don't really want to go into spoilers, obviously, in this because you know it's somewhat spoiler heavy. But I I, I generally really enjoyed how this film dealt with, um, I guess, faith, obviously, but also um, obsession, you know, possession in multiple different ways, um, and. And depressive episodes. I think like yeah. a, a film like this take tackles, you know, issues that we we do see some representation in film more than we used to. But I think it tackles it in a really interesting way, especially in the horror that it provides. Uh, I was talking to Mitch about this a little bit earlier about just how I absolutely love this ending of the film, and I, I won't obviously say what happens, but for me, that's kind of what cemented it because like there's parts of this film that are really realistic and kind of gr like rooted in sort of. I don't know, theology and religion and things that like, you know, are very cemented in our real world. But then there's obviously things, you know, that um, are more um, fictional. So supernatural and supernatural. And they work. It's really so rank. Well. They work really well together. Um, Dude, my biggest. 
Oh, my biggest gripe with the film, though, and I'll, I need to make this known, I think this is maybe one of my biggest pet peeves in films right now, guys. Okay? Mm. There's a scene where, one of the opening scenes, it's not a spoiler, where there's a red substance bubbling. Now, I thought this substance was blood. It turned out to be tomato soup, and I almost turned it off because it pissed me off so much. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that shit. Why has it got to be tomato soup? Oh, man, you, you like, hate why? when it'll cut to something else, like someone painting, but it'll be a blood spatter. Yeah, bullshit. I hated that. Like, mm-hmm. it, I was like, okay, here we go. We got blood boiling on the like, fucking first scene. Like, now we're, I'm in for something here. Tomato soup. Not into it. Honestly, not that, that funny. Do better. That is same such much. a nerdy thing to be mad about. Oh, my God. I hated it. Really? <laughs> I love it. Honestly, but all jokes. Is, I, I mean, I'm not joking. It did fucking piss me off, but not enough for me to, like, hinder the experience because this movie <laughs> is great. I just needed to point that out because I was actually, like, I was making I'm notes for this. excited to see that in your next film. I was making notes for like this film and I had nothing really bad to say. So I was like, what pissed me off the most? And it was definitely the tomato soup. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. awesome, man. Cause okay. So when this one was coming out, like, cause I didn't see it until I believe it was two months, just like about two months ago. Right, um, yeah. But this was one that was like, I, I think some people saw it before COVID happened. It was, it was playing it, festivals like in end of 2019, early 2020. Yeah. 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 Oh, right. Uh, cause I remember cause like John, yeah. Like the festival committee had already seen it when we were doing our festival. Right. 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 It, yeah. Just crazy. But um, I had heard so many people say it's not a horror film, but it's good. Like it's really good. Um, and then oh, I wait. watch it. Then I watch totally. it. I'm like, I'm like, what? How is this not a horror movie? Like, it blows my mind how people can like kind of you know they it's like it's a a shameful thing to call this type of movie a horror movie. It's like there's some wild shit in Saint Maud, and so far it's my favorite horror movie of the year. No, it's absolutely a horror movie. It's kind of weird. I heard that as well because I was meant to see it just before the pandemic hit, and then I didn't. Oh, really? And then I was so I this had a lot of hype, which I don't think it quite lived up to for me. But my hype had spent a year boil bubbling like that that tomato soup. Um, <laughs> Just going full thing. And um, yet, then I heard it's like, oh, it's not a horror movie. And then I watched it and went, no, this is a horror movie. This is an angels and demons thing. And I love how you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's even if you don't, if you even if you think it's all moored, there are some moments where you're just like going, Jesus Christ, that's a contortion and a half. Um, Exactly. Gnarly (laughs) horror. Real horror. It is real horror. And so I'm always sort of blown away by when sort of people sort of go, oh, like when Mitch, you were saying that before, when you get to inform Kyle, no, he's a horror guy. It's because, no, there's a certain section of movies that are absolute horror movies that people will go, no, that's not horror. It's like, no, it's, it's pretty horrific. What's happening? So, yeah. yeah. it's um, And yeah, that's the thing is it's like as much as like, Kyle, you know, I will take any chance I can to show you disrespect on this show. Of course, um, yeah, but yeah. the but the thing is, like, it actually isn't even a disrespect thing. It's just like, uh, like, did you think Funny Games was a horror movie? It's just that you could, you, like, you hung with a different crowd, you read different <laughs> websites. <laughs> Honestly, not really. If I'm being honest, no, I never really considered Funny Games. Uh, like, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what genre. To me. I don't know what genre I would consider it. Like, straight but, up horror. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't. If someone said, like, "Oh, what's your favorite horror movie?" Like, Funny Games wouldn't come to mind because I just you wouldn't would immediately say stay think alive. That. I would probably say stay alive. <laughs> Piece of shit. Or oh, man, that's, that makes me so happy that you liked it. Cause that's one. Yeah. So far that's the movie that stood out to me the most this year. And it's like, uh, yeah. I was thinking about it like days and weeks afterwards. Like I remember text, like I would text boozy and be like, cause he saw it before I did. And oh, I just yeah, like, yeah. God damn St. Maude fucked. <laughs> that was definitely badass. 
Well, yeah. I'll put it this way: like I also watched The Father like the day before oh, I watched. I still want to see that. And that movie is well. That movie will just rip your heart out, step it on, like just totally pummel it to shreds, bring you back to life, and kill you again. And Saint Maud was parts of it were just as shocking. So uh, it definitely <laughs> like I had a bit of a traumatic two two day uh, viewing experience there. Uh, yeah, do you so, need yeah, a hug because the father is I didn't know what I was walking into with that movie. And then when I realized I, Oh my God. Oh my <laughs> God. That this should be a horror movie. That should be a horror movie. I don't know why it's got Olivia Colman smiling sweetly on the poster. <laughs> Lindsay, be oh, honest. God. Be honest with me. Did you cry in that last 20 minutes? Cause I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Just insane. It's, it's hard. Reaching. Um, yeah, I guess, I, I guess I have something to confess too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's confess. Yep. I hadn't seen the favorite until after we did our episode. What? About Olivia Coleman. Oh man! And fuck, man! Oh god, it's so good. That's like at least you came oh, yeah. to it. At least oh, you yeah. finally came to the yeah. paper. No, it's it's weird though. It's because I, I it's don't a weird know Yorgos what, film in a way, right? Like it's well, it, it, that's why it. There, I've heard a lot of people say that's their favorite of his. No pun intended. Um, but the thing is, it's still it's amazing. But it's his writing. Like actually, I watched The Lobster again, and that I was like, oh my god, man! Every time I watch The Lobster, it gets better. He didn't it's write so the favorite. I think it's one of his only films he hasn't written. Exactly. So. That's that's the difference, mm. though. Like that's why I think I like. I think Killing of a Sacred Deer is still my favorite. And then, oh god, it'd be so tough. I love all of his movies. Like that's just it's so exciting to have someone like that to just gush over. Mm. We're very lucky in that regard. So hopefully yeah. he doesn't reveal himself to be a monster. Uh, yeah, only time will tell. Uh, on that <laughs> note, I will say definitely check out St. Maud. I think um, there's absolutely parts of this film that I, I think will be some of the scariest things you'll see this year. And for me, honestly, I, I've been a bit dry with watching films lately. I'm trying, I'm desperately catching up right now. But this is probably my favorite movie of the year so far, for sure. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> movie in general, I need to clarify. Lindsay, you want to tell us about another one? Uh, yes, now that I've heard what you guys have been doing, I feel this is a safe space to mention that I watched a movie from 1974 called The Night Porter, um, which isn't classified as a horror movie, but goddamn, is it a horror movie. It is an Italian movie um, starring Charlotte Rampling, a very young and very naked Charlotte Rampling, and Dirk Bogard. It is essentially about this ex-Nazi um, who's kind of been labelled to live under the radar, comes into contact with Charlotte Rampling, a survivor essentially of his and they kind of reg- both regress back into this um pseudo said tent uh this abusive sexual relationship that um he had inflicted on her in the concentration camps you get these weird flashbacks and oh it's this God. such a dark it's kind of like a how um germany and austria were trying to get over their ptsd of what happened during the war and okay. it is such a dark movie that even when i'm explaining it i'm like maybe i should have brought this movie up but Jesus it is incredible Christ, this sounds wild <laughs> it's so goddamn wild i mean there's a fantasy scene with charling brampling no top on wearing um a nazi uniform without the top singing a marlena dietrich song oh, um, oh god thank god boozy's not here because i know that's a kink for him <laughs> well, also, it needs to be known that uh, I think about 30 seconds ago, Lindsay declared the terror table a safe space. That needs to be <laughs> Well, that's a. Oh, and from a female, no less. That, that's yeah, got to mean something for her. We got to take every stride we could take. Yeah, exactly. Thank, God. Um, thank you so it, much, Lindsay. Hey, quick I, question, though. What's this movie called again? The Night Porter. He, uh, yeah, Dirk Book uh, literally plays a night porter in a hotel that you find out is just holds a collection of ex Nazis pretending that they are still 
on top of their social kind of scale that they were back during the regime, but now are hiding in a hotel. It's, it's such a strange, amazing movie, dark. And oh, I found it. I found it. Yeah. It yeah. sounds really good. It is really, really good. Um, but yeah, it does take a warning. There are some very specific kinks in here that uh, Boozy may enjoy. But <laughs> <laughs> not anyone else. Right, yeah. Okay. Interesting. But, I've never heard Boozy. of this, but it, it looks very, like very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And Charlotte Rampling, like she's so good. And uh, it was just so sad that she had to be disrespected by being in the last few seasons of Dexter. Also, this is true. Yes. I don't really know the whole story, but it, Charlotte Rampling, I think, is uh, she's got some questionable takes as well, I think, unfortunately. She does. She has some oh, wait. Questions. Yeah, I forgot about that. That yeah. is her. Well, uh, we'll yeah. get away from that maybe, but <laughs> what, what yeah. did you, I'm gonna you go recommend this film? Like, I'm going to go hard no comment. That's <laughs> hard no comment. <laughs> so what was that, Kyle? I was just going to ask Lindsay, did, like, would you, beyond sort of like the, I don't know, potentially triggering and dramatic aspects of the film, would you recommend this? Like, should I peep game? What's what's going on? Oh, here? yeah, definitely recommend it. Um, if sexual, if you are very much triggered by sexual assault, I would maybe stay away from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but if otherwise, I absolutely would because it is this fascinating and it is directed by um, it is directed by a woman, um, Liana Cavani, who also wrote it. Um it is this fascinating look at a country trying to deal with its PTSD. And um, Dirk Bogart makes this movie. I don't know if this would work without him because he's this undefinable character. You never quite know what his motivations are or um, what how he feels about his past or if, he, if this is a way him going back into Charlotte Rampling's life is a way of him not dealing with any of the ramifications of his actions or anything like that. It is, you can interpret this movie about 16 different ways, much like Neon Demon. Yeah. Awesome. I'm definitely going to watch this. This looks, this looks really challenging. Yeah. I'm just going to see if it's on Tubi. Well, I probably won't watch it then. (laughs) Lindsay, do you guys have Tubi over there? We do. The blessing that is Tubi. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I'm just okay, annoyed. Awesome. I'm annoyed. Do you still not have Tubi? Well, I have it, but like I always forget about it. God, you're so dumb. And one of these, oh, body melts on Tubi. It is, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. Um. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to knock another one off if that's cool with y'all. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm talking about another, it's a 2021 film that came out, I believe it was a few months ago. Sorry, I don't have the date on me here, but it is Sun. From 2021, directed by Ivan Kavanaugh. Have you guys heard of this film? I thought this was A Sun for a second, which I no. don't mean, but I no, think I'm, I'm not familiar have, with this one. I think I have heard of it, but um, only briefly and in passing. So yeah, yeah. So it's starring Andy Matichuk, I believe that's her name. She's mm. she plays Allison, um, the daughter in Halloween 2018. Uh, so she's one of the yeah. She's like. Judy Greer's daughter in that film. But the, yeah, so she's from Halloween. Um, we also have Emile Hirsch, who's from Cancelled in 2018. Um, <laughs> then we have Luke David Blum, who is the son. Uh, but yeah, this this oh, movie. What's I that? Say, I thought you, never mind. I misheard his last name, but I thought you were going to say he's the son of Jason Blum. No, <laughs> I, th- I had to look for that, though. I had to look. That would have been uh, awesome. Yeah, but the synopsis for this one is when a young boy contracts a mysterious illness, his mother must decide how far she will go to protect him from terrifying forces in her past. This movie, it has elements pulling from The Omen, Rosemary's Baby, and The Exorcist. It's just like a really heavy, dark material movie. 
um, the things like super, it's very well acted and photographed. Like I think that some of the sequences in this thing, they show promise of someone who's going to eventually someday create a classic. So I actually wrote down the cinematographer was Pierce McGrail, who I believe he hasn't worked on a lot of things, but this movie looks really good. So I wanted to shout him out here. Um, but yeah, this movie, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, it goes very campy in a couple parts. Like there's, if I have any complaints about it, it's that I would dial a few things back because it goes pretty out there for some stuff. Mm. But I'm kind of a sucker for like, you know, any possession movie or anything to do with satanic worship. Like that is just my shit. I love all things Satan. Yeah, I recommend this one. It's it's kind of a, a sleeper this year because I haven't heard too many people talking about it. But finally decided to check it out. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised. There's some some really cool sequences in this thing and it's got i just i have respect for anyone who's willing to go there when it comes to kids <laughs> uh like in terms of like infl- and i know that sounds horrible but i'm yeah, talking pl- about please, like- please explain <laughs> oh, yeah. i'm not sorry i'm not meaning it oh my god jesus christ not in any sexual type of way but like where they'll put a kid through something like kind of pretty rank like in terms of satanic shit so um i don't know i thought it was pretty wicked i I was a fan of it but yes absolutely no child sexual stuff let me clarify that oh my god good to know good to know yeah i'm sorry that i worded that so terribly but i'm a born critic i'm i'm just sad to know that like how am i going to enjoy alpha dog and taking woodstock and the girl next door Knowing that since 2018, a meal's been canceled. What are we going to do? Oh, man. No, but that's the... uh, I don't know. I'm not going to comment on this one. (laughs) I'm going to go no comment, but I'm I'm a big fan of Speed Racer? What are we going to do? Uh, Was it Jane Doe? Oh, the Jane Doe. I never saw that. Oh, my God, man. That movie is so good. Yeah, Kyle, I was actually just thinking about that the other day. I was actually going to watch it last night, so we should do an episode on that since you haven't seen it. Perfect. I'm down. That sounds great. It yeah, is it's, so good. And you can talk was, more about a meal. Perfect. It was before he choke slammed his agent. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well. Oh, God, cool. so, you, you've seen anything for Jackson, haven't you? Yeah, I like yeah. anything for Jackson. No, I'm, <laughs> so I've never just, seen that either. Get, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I want to hear this because everybody shit on me for liking that one. Like Lindsay, did you think it wasn't good either? No, I really liked it actually. Um, give okay, me more good. satanic. Give me more Satanist in a community. Um, yeah, I thought the uh, Satan shit was so good in that one too. Oh my god, I loved it. It was just like, yeah, this is how it would actually be. It'd be these dorks coming over and just kind of like hanging out in a hall, and and yeah. then going home again. And then you just got that one guy who takes it too far. But um, no, I really thought it was um, oh, yeah, really innovative. Movie. Yeah, that's the episode that we canceled, Kyle. Correct. <laughs> We we were gonna do that was that was when we did the modern classic exorcism of Emily Rose. Ah uh, yes, right. yes. The modern classic. Yeah. <laughs> For those okay. who don't remember, uh, Mitch gave the exorcism of Emily Rose a three out of five on Letterbox, but then three went and on a to half. call sorry, a three and a half on Letterbox, and then went on to call it a modern classic, which as far as I'm concerned, is what the professors uh, of our day would call an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about how Tom Green's Freddy Got Fingered got like what a one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that movie is a cinematic masterpiece. That's a really unique case, and I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> I broke up with a boy after he showed me that movie. Not said. What? Not said. <laughs> after he showed you that? Yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious! Because that would be how I get dumped. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. That I love Freddy Got Fingered, and it is a problem. I'm aware. 
Uh, no, I need to watch it again because I haven't watched it this time. And obviously I was so offended by it that I just looked at him and went, no. But um, yeah, that is that is just cause, though. I will say that. <laughs> so I need to yeah. I need to watch it again to actually kind of because I haven't watched it since then. But I just remember just looking at the screen and looking at him and he was loving it. And then I'm just like going, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. This, can't, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Oh, yeah. You well, got to just you got to look at it as a piece of performance art. Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, there's a subsect of the the internet and I guess the world now that do believe that film to be a, a masterpiece. Now, twenty years later, I'm one of those people. I haven't seen I it. Also, in like I thought it was a masterpiece when it came out. I was I was I think eight years old and I didn't even know what being fingered meant. And I thought that it was the funniest movie ever made. Oh my god, that was a sexual education and a half, especially the what is it, the the horse wanking? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, And I think, oh yeah, no, it's so good. And I love the 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 skateboard ramp fail where he cuts his leg open. Oh yes. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to talk about rollerblading later. Oh yeah, we definitely (laughs) are talking about rollerblading. Shout out Airborne. Yeah, shout out Airborne. You seen Brink? Did either of you guys see Brink? Brink? No. Brink is oh, a it was a family yes. channel exclusive. I, I have some uh, Brink. It was a rollerblading film. Yeah, of course. Of that course. was when I told my parents I wanted to be a professional rollerblader when I grew up. I wanted to be a professional professional scooter, actually. Oh, so. fucking right, buddy. Shut up, Razor. Razor, yeah, Razor, don't want to sponsor the show, please. Please get at us. God. Hey, Lindsay, you probably have to deal with scooters a lot still, hey? Like are scooters oh, yes. pretty big in Australia? Oh, they're huge. Yeah. Yeah, I would, Im- I would imagine. Yeah. It's a yeah, good no, way they, to get around. It's a really great way to get around, especially in Melbourne traffic, but they also go on the bike um, ramps, which can be a, pa- um, a little bit care thingy if you have to walk around them. You have to go, oh, is there a scooter coming? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Gotta watch out for the scooters. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. K- Kyle, do you have anything else you want to talk about today? Uh, uh, no. No? <laughs> All right, Lindsay, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get on to our main feature? No, I am good. You're good? Awesome. Okay, well, we will be right back with our main feature presentation, which we will be talking about Body Melt first, and then Lake Mongo. Stick around. Welcome to Terra's new dead end. The first phase is hallucinogenic. The second phase is glandular. Any good drugs, 
And we have reached our main feature presentation where we're going to be talking about Body Melt and Lake Mungo. But I believe we are going to start off with Body Melt because if we started off with Lake Mungo, we would probably have nothing left in the tank for Body for body Melt because uh, it's going to be a heavier conversation, I believe. Oh, yeah. chrono- chronological, to be fair. And exactly, it's chronological, but we invited Lindsay Wilkins of the Schlock and All podcast on to talk about horror movies. And of course, I said that we have to do a double and Lindsay, you recommended this double. And why is that? Um, I wanted to show kind of to the broad spectrum of Australian horror, I guess. Um, I didn't quite plan the the bodily goo and the spiritual kind of philosophy of, of the, the pairing, but I just wanted to show what Australian um, uh, movies uh, were capable of uh, that wasn't Wolf Creek. No, I like Wolf Creek a lot, so that's no diss on that. But I think Australian Australian horror movies, tend you tend to think it's one thing, and it is multiple, multiple different things. And um, we can be just as insane or more insane than most other countries when it comes to filmmaking. So Body I Milk totally and agree. Lake Mungo it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to actually, before we even kick off with uh, Body Melt, I wanted to talk about that a little bit, because even when we first started talking, Lindsay, I had told you that I'm a huge fan of Australian horror movies. Like, mm-hmm. uh, some of my favorite recent horror movies have come out of Australia, and like you said, like a lot of them are, they're very dark, and I guess I wanted to know, I wanted to hear your take on why that might be, like why Australia is pumping out movies like Hounds of Love. I'm not sure if you've seen that, but that movie... Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of it, yeah. <laughs> it's it's very good. Like, it's very good at what it does, um, <laughs> but that it's also, like, very upsetting. And, you know, it's one of those things I could totally understand someone not wanting to watch because it is just, like, it's a serial killer couple with their sexual stuff. It's rough. But, yeah. like, then there's the Snowtown Murders, The Loved Ones is one of my favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the, even, like, The Babadook is more cerebral, like, Jennifer Kent stuff. And, like, oh, my yes. God, I'm such, a, I'm such a huge fan of The Nightingale. Like, I love that movie. But there's something about Australian horror movies. Relic, that's another one that came out recently. And oh, better, yeah. Better Watch Out, Australian. Very Shout out, great movie, Better Watch Out. Kyle Zervinsky's yes. dumb. Um, that, I mean... <laughs> Maybe Australia is making dangerous horror movies, Kyle. I'll put it this way. My whole life I thought, you know, everything I lived for was a tragedy, but it turned out it was just a fucking comedy. Shut the f- Oh my god. (laughs) Man, I have never... This has been one of the most uncomfortable things for me to experience because I do like Joker. I still like it, but the more I see people share memes of it, the more I'm like, oh no. Oh no. I'm being associated with those guys probably. No comment. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) <laughs> no, I think there is two kinds of Joker fan. One who just generally like the movie and what Joaquin Phoenix did in that movie, and then you have everybody else. Yeah. Um, so I think you were, you you're definitely the first one. But I do definitely think, unfortunately, and that happens for a lot of movies. Like yeah, that's true. That's um, true. Uh, anything by Snack Snyder for some reason. Um, so how was your tenth viewing of? Um, Justice League, Mitch. Um, okay. <laughs> I, o- I only got to four. I only got to four. And to right. be fair, you, you heard I didn't talk about Army of the Dead today because I'm, right. ha- I'm having to watch it in 20-minute segments because, like, I'm just not into it. <laughs> but I know yeah, that yeah. this is going to turn around to me watching it ten times. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, so um, Snack Snart is just not a filmmaker I gravitate toward, and some of it, I think it's because he does have a very specific fan base, not all of his fan base, but there is that kind of really weird bro culture, that's culture yeah. which I think has kind of... You can of just say Kyle Zervinsky. Okay, yeah, Kyle Zervinsky. Yeah, yeah, um, 
<laughs> has kind of popped up around him, and um, which I don't think his movies necessarily deserve, but they've got them there. So it's just this weird thing that sometimes happens with a movie where, um, like, the Beastie Boys' um, first album, it's like all these people who rallied around it were not the people that went to rally around that album, and it's kind of the same for... Exactly. It's like Ben Shapiro Shapiro saying that he's a Rage Against the Machine fan, though. That actually happened. That just... I just... No. It's the same thing. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's like, you're not the person that's meant to be all... Yeah, if you find out, like, the dead Kennedys had to write a fuck-off Nazis, uh, yeah. Nazi punk song, because all the na- Nazi punks kept going, we like this band! It's like, no, you're not meant to like us. We don't like <laughs> <Right>. you. <laughs> fuck yeah. You gotta wonder, what's, uh, I wonder what Sucker Punch is like nowadays. What's oh, no. Dude, I, o- I own the Steelbook. <laughs> I never actually, I haven't seen, I've never saw Sucker Punch, actually, but it looked pretty... It's not good. <laughs> it looked interesting. I'll put it that it's, way. It's very, it's very like visually stunning, but there's nothing else there because like there's no story. It's just like mm. really cool action sequences. If you're into those like CGI slow motion action sequences, now would girl, you say that? Would you say the same wearing about barely any clothes? So, mm. Zack Snyder. Woo. Does the same go for body melt though? That's the real question. Yeah. Well, I was asking the question to Lindsay about what like do you feel that like Australia just why do we see so many I know I'm putting you on the spot here but like there it seems like a lot of really dark stuff comes out of Australia do you have any take on why that could be um I think because we live in a country that most of the time wants to kill us um I don't necessarily think that this uh, people have lived in Australia for thousands and thousands and thousands of years um which definitely ties into Lake Mungo a little bit but um well 2021 years just to be exact Exactly. Um, guys, you know Australian history better well. than I do. Um, but at the same time, this is a land that really shouldn't be inhabited the way it's been inhabited, if this makes any sense. Like, Australia never had the manifest destiny that, say, I don't know if this was exactly the same in Canada. Um, I was going to ask you if Canada has the cultural cringe. Like, you just look at your own country's culture and go, oh, really? Um, we just basically all live in igloos and eat beef jerky. Exactly, and Australians live in huts with an outhouse and are attacked by spiders all the time. Um, and you have and, kangaroo friends. You guys are first name. Friends. Yeah, you're yes. on first name basis with some kangaroos. Exactly. Um, I didn't introduce what do you to my think kangaroo, about kangaroo Jack. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're more of a sequel. You like the animated flavor, you know? I do. Yeah, more yeah. of the animated. Yeah, yeah. definitely the more the animated on that one. Um, and so, yeah, we're living in a country that wants to kill us. I guess, especially in the desert. Um, and if it, it, it's kind of got this feeling, and I guess Australia's sort of dark past, especially towards its, its indigenous, I think it's just kind of crept into everything. So Canada when we make, has that too. Very yes, much so. Yeah, so when we make movies, it's all about death. And even our comedies, like something like Muriel's Wedding and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, are both really dark movies. So there's this weird thing about how... Um, we're kind of always surprised that we're alive. So we make movies about death and depression. And yeah, um, uh, Snowtown murder movies is one of the darkest things I've ever seen. And I don't, I can't, I think I've put more violence into that movie that is is actually there. But what is implicated is, oh God. Um, That's exactly it. Like I lost sleep. That's one of the few movies of my adult life that I lost sleep over just because it was so sad. But it's also yeah. just such, like, it's a very good movie, though. It's very well made. Oh, yeah. And he's owned that director's only made one other movie. I think that only just came out in Australia last year, the year What's before, it? maybe. 
What's with you yeah. Aussies in that? Because Lake, Lake Mungo, same thing. Um, Lake Mungo, I think, was actually made by ghosts. Um, but no, I think... <laughs> okay. um, no, I think funding can get really difficult over here, even though we have, like, state funding and national funding. Um, I think it can be sometimes really tricky to get all the funding together to actually make something. Um, yeah. Or because we have the same thing where it's made for, like, $5 in a pizza, um, oh, like most yeah, of these maybe. movies. And or it's a big, bigger production where you often will have, um, f uh, you know, a joint kind of American or Canadian and Australian thing going on. So I think it's yeah. just money mainly. That's yeah. awesome. Like I, I wondered this myself while watching Body Melt. Actually, like, is there like, am I wrong in saying that there's kind of like a kindred spirit like connection between Australian and Canadian film? Like I, I kind of felt that way. I like, think so. You describing oh, yeah, this absolutely. right now, Lindsay? I think I think there definitely is like some in very like. Uh, financial ways but then also i think kind of like just responding to the land and responding to i guess climate and history there's a yeah. lot there's a lot going on there it really is and i think people sort of look at it at like how the americans handled it and it's very different because they have this big manifest destiny kind of thing where there's i don't think a lot of the other colonies um do just because we're just like yeah then you sort of it's a harsh climate there's a lot of um you know a lot of landscape especially in canada um yeah. and new zealand has a similar thing and they'll um where there is this kind of very violent past and it just keeps creeping into the movie so you will have these movies that are just absolutely gory kind of goopy things like body melt or you really get these kind of serious kind of meditatives like like mungo yeah, and the wow. Babadook. And like and the Babadook, yeah, like, yeah. That's like Sean Byrne is one of my like my, like he's one of the filmmakers that I'm just most excited to see because he made The Loved Ones and The Devil's Candy. I yes. loved both of those movies. Um but yeah, just something I think I think the first one that made me realize that I was watching an Australian horror movie was uh was obviously Wolf Creek and that <laughs> was just such a soul-sucking <laughs> adventure. <laughs> Um, but then, and then I see Snowtown murders. And I'm like, what the fuck is with Australia? Do we got to send doctors over? Like, do you guys need, do, does someone need to hold your hand? Yes. Yes, they do. Cause both of those are actual based on actual serial killers yep. as well. So it's like, oh, if you God. go into the outback, you don't come back. Same with Hounds of Love. Though. <laughs> Hounds, yeah. Hounds of Love is based off of Australian yeah. serial killers as well. And same with Killing Ground, which yes. was another one that really messed me up. But then, yeah. but then you guys have like little monsters, which was Lupita Nyong'o's, um, comedy that came out i oh, think yeah. it was oh, i forgot about years. that one yes it's, the most delightful I, movie ever made <laughs> oh my god i loved it i thought that movie was so much fun i laughed so hard in that movie and uh, kyle zervinsky's in that josh gad oh correct. yes Sorry. yeah he plays he plays barney oh that's mm. his best role actually because yeah. he is such a monster in that movie <laughs> but last last thing i'll say about uh australian cinema though is you guys are the ones keeping uh keeping crocodile films alive like with we got oh, yeah. uh, Blackwater, and then same with um, Rogue, which is like one of my favorite crocodile movies. But I'm a huge fan of those types of nature run films. Crocodile Dundee, you know. Oh yes. Oh um, yes, that's a knife. Did I do it right? <laughs> oh, that's oh. a knife. Um, <laughs> no, if you've never seen Dark Age, I'd seek it out and watch it. I think it's a little bit hard to get over there, but um, it's from 1988. It's a crocodile movie. It's got um, a very young. Um, Jarrett, uh, Wolf Creek guy in it, who's not playing a sociopath. Oh, John Jarrett. John Jarrett, yeah. Um, trying yeah. to save this man-eating crocodile. It's so this good. This looks amazing. Thank yes. you so much, Lindsay. <laughs> I can't wait to fucking somehow find this on the internet. I'm going to find it. <laughs> it well, looks no, so good. It is so good. It is just, it's not the, it's not the movie you think it is completely going in. And 
Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Okay. Well, yeah, sorry. I I'm sorry to take us on that little tangent, but it is something like um I've been very fortunate to get to know you over the last couple months, Lindsay, and like we've yes. been talking about we talk lots of movies all the time on Twitter and everything like that. So I wanted to wait until I could actually speak to you to ha- get your take on Australian horror movies. Because mm. since the since the beginning of the Terror Table, I've always mentioned that some of my favorite horror movies come out of Australia. So uh, it's uh it's cool. We can yes. talk about body. We can talk about body melt now. So why did you choose body melt for this episode? because uh, it was complete opposite to Lake Mungo. Um, I don't know what, I saw it a few years ago. Um, it popped up on Tubi, so um, I didn't know what it was. And um, kind of was just amazed by the inventiveness of it and just the haphazard way this movie feels like it's being put together. Um, I think it was meant to be an anthology to start off with, which you can kind of tell because uh, this yeah. movie goes all over the place. Um, it goes hard. The it kids goes would say so it slaps. Hard. It slaps yeah. so hard. And then the fact that it kind of has um, all this kind of Australian soap opera royalty in this in this um, movie before they became kind of famous. And it's just, it's a weird thing to watch it sort of growing up on Australian television going, these people were in this movie? They, I mean, because it goes so many kinds of ridiculous from the get-go where you have, um, I'm going to get her name wrong, uh, the evil scientist business lady um, seducing some guy completely naked and so sweaty. I mean, this movie is oh, it's so sweaty. sweaty. This movie is so sweaty. I think it was... Um, I was Regina looking it up and I Gagulous. just wrote body yeah. sweat. Yes, you could just call it body sweat and it would be the exact same <laughs> movie. Um, and then it sort of goes on from there. And then it just goes stranger and stranger and stranger. And before you know it, you're in a scene with a killer placenta and you're oh, not yeah. entirely sure how you got there. Um, it is, yeah, it is, it, it, as the kids say, it slaps and it fucks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, did. <laughs> yeah, did. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we we showed this uh it well it was in 2018 the saskatoon fantastic film festival it was like every was uh, before i was even heavily involved um uh, but we come up with like the a different theme of like throwback movies and the year that this came that this played we had body melt society and videodrome <laughs> and it's like Beautiful. to see all of those movies in a the theater was fucking amazing. But Body Melt, I think, I think this one and Society, they both played at noon <laughs> on both days, and yeah. it was like right after the All You Can Eat cereal cartoon oh, party. Yes, right, oh, that's right, exactly right. when you want to watch Body Melt. Oh yeah, our film <laughs> festival is the, it's yeah. the best thing Saskatoon has to offer. But seeing yeah. Body Melt and Society in the same weekend on the big screen, wow, <laughs> that's oh, that'd be a trip. I'm pleased to announce that body melt does in fact slap and fuck. <laughs> I yo, <laughs> I fucking loved body melt. It's so good. Okay, like there's a lot going on here. Like I think, I mean, it's like a body horror film. Obviously, I mean, there's a lot of um, really something special about this one though. Because to me, I really like the like the cynical aspects about this movie. Like the kind of a sort of like satire that's happening throughout the movie. I think that is what really makes it stand out for me. And really kept me like wanting more. And like, even though there's a lot of like disgusting scenes in this movie, there's also a lot of like strange plot that you have to like follow (laughs) throughout, like leading up to like those kind of like, I don't know, rewarding moments. But I've never been able to follow the plot. I I dug the plot. (laughs) I thought it was so nonsense. Like, it made no sense, but I liked that. Like yeah. I, I was immediately hooked by like the opening infomercial. I kind of knew right away. Like, oh yeah, I think I'm probably gonna like this. It opened like climax. 
<laughs> kind of opened like you did. <laughs> That's probably why I liked it. Um, the music I also fucking loved. Windows ninety five techno. Oh my god, that's so it. I was trying to think of way to describe it. It's freaking 95. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing is this was before Windows 95. So oh, what what true. was what was before Windows 95? 93. Oh my god. I talked to Chris Hurtado last night. I was on his podcast talking about Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Orchid and he didn't know what MSN was. What? <laughs> he had never heard Liar. of MSN. Liar. <laughs> It's funny that we were talking about anacondas and I brought up MSN. <laughs> that, that actually doesn't surprise me much. And he's like, has no clue what ICQ is. But I don't know where we were getting at with this. Anyway, I do have to say the technology, I did make a note of it that like, in a way, like for 1993, I kind of dug like the style of this technology because sure, it's like clearly dated and maybe like a little bit embarrassing, but I've seen far worse offenders. And like the stuff in this reboot. makes a lot of, yeah, reboot. Great example. Great. Shout out Canada. Um, also, like, shout out Reap. Yeah. No, it makes um, Lawnmower Man look um, spot yes. on in terms of That's the virtual reality. <laughs> yeah. And same with that. What, what's that one with Edward Furlong? We just talked about it. Uh, oh, shoot. Yes. The what's brain scan. Brain, brain scan. scan. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kyle, you'd love Brain Scan. I'm going to get well, maybe... Kyle just super into body horror. You love Cronenberg. Yes. That was the first Terror Table yeah, episode you came true. on as video drum. And honestly, this movie has like little hints of like they live a little bit, I would say. Oh, I totally. Think. Just oh, the energy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what I liked about it. I think overall, just like the kind of like playful vibe of this movie is what I really liked. It like it never was really actually not even for a moment was it taking itself seriously. And that's what I really like with like something like this, because the body horror then just really feels like pure satisfaction at that point. It it feels yeah. like just nothing but like I don't know some like weird blood-soaked substance that I'm. I feel like I deserve by the time it shows up. Yeah. Well, Lin- Lindsay, you talked about on a double feature episode recently. You talked about Shaun of the Dead and Dead Alive, and Dead yeah, Alive is one of my like all. That's my f- just favorite gooey movie. And <laughs> yes. So now I want to show. Now that we've shown Kyle body melt, I want to do a Dead Alive episode because uh, yeah, it's to. just. It's so gooey, man. And I, I, yeah, I just have a lot of fun with this movie. I actually didn't see it until that festival screening. That was the first time I had ever seen it. So I got to see it on the big, I got to see it on the big screen and it's wild. Like it's so much fun. Like I just like the energy of it. The, like the gym supplement (laughs) conversation that it tries to have. I love the like super buff dudes who have little boy voices over. Oh (laughs) yeah. They were not real. They were not real. They were something out of meet the feebles. Oh my God. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Meet the feebles. Yeah. And I just, it's such a, what's that Kyle? Uh, I just want to ask Lindsay a question. Can I tell you a joke really quick? Yes. Yes. Uh, Elton John. (laughs) Okay. That's my first note. That's my first note. I didn't appreciate the Elton John disrespect. I didn't they, appreciate it, but some of the, some of the dialogue in here is really, really funny. Can we it like really go for is. a second? Can we be real for a second? So that woman, sure. she like, well, technically, it's that woman that we think he's um, visual visualizing, but we don't know if she's there. She's oh, massage. Yes. She massages yeah, yeah, yeah. his rib out of his stomach. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Do yes, you guys think that is that how Marilyn Manson did it? I I knew this was gonna happen. I actually fucking <laughs> knew it was gonna come up. I'm I, I, I Lindsay, just knew it. Lindsay, did you guys have that rumor in Australia? I want to yeah, see we how. Did. Oh we fuck did. yeah! Yes, <laughs> that was the best rumor in yeah. high school because it was like whoever came up with this is the most savage. <laughs> like, 
I didn't have to write it down because I knew Mitch would bring it up. I <laughs> just knew that was no, going to happen. It was It was always the rumor that he was the kid from the Wonder Years. And that he, <laughs> and his, I haven't heard that awesome. one. Wow, no. He was like the best friend nerd kid, and that apparently he grew up to be Marilyn Manson. Um, I don't know if oh he started these rumors himself. Um, yeah. but I always thought he was John Bonet Ramsey. <laughs> At this point. Or wait, that's Katy Perry. Marilyn Manson, Katy Perry, same thing. Tomato, same tomato. Thing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> tomato, tomato soup. All right, back to uh, Body Melt, though. Yeah, this it's just nuts, man. Like, yeah, this whole movie's just fucking crazy, and it's just, like, it's that energy that I can really fuck with yeah. when it comes to this style of body horror. Like, have you guys both seen Society? No. Yes. Okay, Kyle, we got to get you on Society. Society is a great body horror movie, but... Oh, um, my Lindsay- God. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Um, yep. Hey, we, um, yeah, we live in a society. Don't, don't, don't you dare. I will kill you. I'll strangle you dead. Just want to let you know. Oh my God. Lindsay, oh, you'll get what you fucking deserve, Kyle. Get what you fucking deserve. Thank you. Huh? Lindsay, are you a fan of body horror in general? I really am. Um, I think it was, it must have been video drama as well that I first saw, and I fell in love with it. There's something just so horrible and awful and wrong about body horror that makes complete sense like especially if you put james woods in it exactly Um, makes it even worse it's just the role he was born to play it was just like yes you are this disgusting creature he's he's not allowed to ruin videodrome for us let's just say that let's put that out into the universe right now let's give that energy off where james woods is not allowed to ruin videodrome for us no always have debbie harry it's fine. Yes. Yeah. God, that movie's so good, though. But yeah, he's so he good. perfectly plays that piece of shit. He's he's just a piece of shit, and he just nails it. And then you're he's like, Hades. oh, because he because he is a piece of shit, and he is Hades. He's Hades. Yeah. He and he <laughs> yeah, does that Hades. really well. Yeah, he's <laughs> a great Hades. Going, let's be honest. He's a great he's a Hades. Hades. Yeah. yeah, he's a really great Hades, and there's a reason <laughs> for it. Um, and yeah, there's something about body horror that our bodies are disgusting, creep things anyway. And so when you have something like videodrome or kind of that gooiness or even like possessor from last year oh god um, i love that movie oh, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god yeah i loved it that so much that was my favorite of the year yeah i think it was like my top three or five like the th- three maybe um i feel like we have the same taste in movies Lindsay. the more we yes. talk yeah yeah I, I realized that i always thought that um yeah it's kind of it's strange because you're such in sync with chris as well and then we've got a lot in common so it's very <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Chris. I love, you. I love you, and I love your taste in movies. You know that. Um, I hate and- it, and then fuck you, Chris. But <laughs> I'm showing yeah, him Chris. tough love. I'm showing him tough love. No, but yeah. Kyle, Kyle, we got to get you and Chris in the same room, though. Like for real, like at least uh, the same chat room. Booking you a flight. Got, you guys are. He was just ranting about sleepover on a YouTube channel last night. So that it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He gave it the fifth best movie of 2004. Wait, this is the he- same person. Yeah, Chris yes. Hurtado. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, need I to can't believe it, the shadow, yeah. Dan, shadow Daniel and Chris Hurtado, Kyle and Boozy probably haven't even listened to our fantasy Oscars episodes. I'm going to go. They are That's gang. Yeah. That's yeah. not very. Yeah. Listen to Lindsay, Kyle, Jesus. See, my friends don't support me. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Classic. What are your parents yeah. divorced? Like, come on, man. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Okay, sorry, Lindsay. I think I cut you off mega hard. No, but I, I was just yeah. I like goofy movies, um, and Body Melt is particularly goofy. <laughs> do you like a goofy movie though? The I the do movie? actually. Yes, oh, I like so a good, goofy but movie. So sad. Yeah. Mm, 
So sad. Maximilian! <laughs> it's the Leaning Tower of Cheese. Holly Shore, everyone. Shout out. Classic. Yeah, shout out, Holly. It's a modern, yeah, it's a modern classic. The body horror in this one, though, like, the more I think about it, I think why it worked for me in a lot of ways is because the film was about your body. It's not that, like, the body horror is, like, a substitute to something else or that it's telling one kind of story and it just happens to have, like, body horror in it. Like, like Starry Eyes is a body horror movie, but it's not technically, it doesn't have enough reason to be a body horror movie the way sure. the video drama does. Like, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. playing devil's advocate for you, Kyle. You're the dummy who doesn't well, like that movie. Whatever, I don't want to get into it. But even even something like Video Drum, like, I guess Video Drum is, is more so like this, I suppose. But for like sure. this, like, there's clearly, there's clearly like intent to why, like, the bodies are so, I don't know, absurd and like, out of any kind of realm of possibility because there's this drug involved and like, sure, maybe it's plot dependent, but like, I think that helps, that really helps its case, honestly. And I think it kind of helps like visualize like the disgusting nature of these things. And also like helps with the impact because like, there's like dicks exploding. There's like you were saying, chase like wild placenta. There's like, there's a lot going on in this film, which part of it is hilarious. And other, like other aspects of it are like generally like can barely keep my eyes open watching some of this. This is a good point. Like I noticed last night, and I did watch it after watching Lake Mungo, which may have I should have switched them, but I didn't want Lake Mungo yeah. in my head before I went to bed. Um, but yeah, I think some of it does drag because there are so many things going on, and it's got such an over convoluted plot. Like um, I don't even accept that. I don't accept that there's a plot in this movie, <laughs> and that, and I think it's I think it's better that way. Like, I just have so much fun just watching it and being like, it's kind of like crank energy, like with Jason Statham. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Because it is. It's just, it's a bunch of nonsense happening. And yeah, obviously there, it's kind of like Italian horror. Like if you really, really watch, it'll make sense somewhat. Uh, But it's also just as fun to just like watch the effects work at play. And like, they just have an incredible hook that'll allow them to give you an hour and a half of an effects extravaganza. And I love it. Yes, because I was made. I made the mistake of actually trying to follow what the plot was, and it just. I kept losing it. Like I kept kind of zoning out, and then all of a sudden, you know, a dick would explode, and I'd be back yeah. into the movie. But basically, um, no. painting game. Yes, kind the of painting yeah. game meets RoboCop, but the exploding <laughs> dick. <laughs> yes, it's like it kind of is. I I don't know. I think the whole thing is the the plot is so one note like it's convoluted but it's really only saying one thing so even if you can't keep track of it it's like doesn't really matter it's still fun like i don't know and and you automatically get points when you have any rollerblading montage oh my god yeah that's fucking awesome the rollerblading montage so okay do you think the kid just like ate like did he just face plant there or did he happen to face plant while he also had a side effect of the drugs like what like did you hear what he said before he went into the face plant though and he did the backflip on the half pipe he said this one's going to be over the fucking top and then he goes down and then he does like a triple backflip i don't know no because the editing was like it was just watching him glitch in the air (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was fucking awesome. Oh, oh god, man. I loved it. It's almost like part part of it's almost like run Lola run sometimes. Yes, like, it's like kind of like or really C spot run. Right, or C spot run. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's parts of it that are like almost like a music video in some ways, but I actually really like that shit. I think the fact that it's like oddly like experimental to the point where it's sometimes annoying that kind of helps it because like I like the way that it's really just having Obnoxious. fun with it. It's obnoxious, but in in a really palatable way. Like I, it's Chumbawamba the horror movie. 
<laughs> you know, shut up, shut, shut up, Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. Oh my God, it is, yeah. really is. Yeah. You get knocked down, but you get back up, up again. Yeah. That's what's important. Y- y'all should look into Chumbawamba. They have like a weird history that's like oddly, it's like oddly impacting. I don't know. I thought that was Asa Base who has the like Nazi propaganda in their stuff. Uh, that's different. That's <laughs> Chumbawamba. I'm, I'm pro Chumbawamba. Yeah, honest, honestly, just, just Google Asa Base Nazi yeah. propaganda and it's yeah. nuts. We'll get it's Boozy crazy. to talk about that later. Yeah, um, I don't know why we're covering Boozy material when Boozy's not very, even here. Very good point. Okay, one thing I want to point out was that the like the two like I think they're supposed to be like Italian brothers or something like that or like the Balkan skull of this movie. Yes, they look like they're ni- from nineteen ninety three, but they just look like two thousand and twenty one like TikTokers. They have like, <laughs> they like, look like like Jake Paul. They just look like Jake Paul. Oh. <laughs> I loved that whole like. Because when you say it's supposed to be an anthology, that makes a lot of sense specifically for that section of the film because that is clearly just like totally um, a complete left turn from what else is kind of happening. But I loved it. I loved it so much. All like all the people on that like farm or whatever, they all like run like they're Power Ranger villains. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like totally fucking nonsense. It's so funny. Because I, I kept wondering why is this a hallucination or are they actually at this farm with these people? And then because yeah. I love how one of the one of the boys is completely flirting with the sister just off the straight away, like mm-hmm. with a one massive eyebrow forehead, yeah. whatever that thing just is. Just pulling and, a Kyle Zervinsky. Yeah, classic, classic, classic Kyle, just like going for it right there. There's a bit of skirt. Yeah. I'm on He's it. He's a sexual uh, predator. If, if you have an, if you have an eyebrow, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming for you. Sick. <laughs> Make it worse. Not mine. Yes. Um. So yeah. You so you don't know why you're there, and they kind of go back to them as to try and tie it into the rest of the movie, which I don't think they needed to do personally. Um. But it's just this weird, like keep it in the family, um, thing. And yeah, they look like Power Ranger villains, and it's we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um. It's just, and I just like looking at this going. This is a strange comment on on uh, outside of Melbourne <laughs> community. <laughs> Not exactly untrue, but exaggeration. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought that was funny, though, because I got that, that, like, there was clearly, like, some sort of, like, jab being taken out at, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, oh, folks okay. from, like, out-of-towners or something like that. But then it, it made it, like, totally worth it by the time the fucking kangaroo showed up. I was like, okay, now they're just taking the piss out of, like, all these, like, Australian, like, stereotypes and, yeah. I don't know ways to like attribute like maybe a negative image to australia like oh I don't know. yeah yeah this is not paint australia in the best light because nope, no, um, but, but that's so the, that, yeah this would have fit better for this conversation than whatever movie we were talking about in the pre-feature but i do have mad respect for any movie that will like fucking balls to the wall kill babies in movies like they do in this movie like it's just <laughs> it's so insane and like the the whole exploding out of the womb stuff like oh my god yeah Yeah. it's like this movie really fucking goes there but it's so over the top that it's not disturbing you know like it's just so like ridiculous yeah it's so ridiculous that it's like it's not tasteless like to me something being tasteless would be like it being very fucking realistic and it's something traumatizing 
that would that's really true. bother an audience or trigger some people. But this is so clearly, it's like Dead Alive. And that's what I was trying to get at. And I hope I can redeem myself now for sounding like a psychopath earlier in this episode. <laughs> but like, that's what I was meaning is it's just like, it's, it's admirable being able to see people go like this campy and over the top. And it be like, it's just so entertaining. It's like bubblegum the movie. It really is bubblegum the movie. It is so goofy, goopy, um, kind of wears its heart on its sleeve kind of thing. Because um, it's just um, looks like a group of people that are going out to make a movie and they don't really necessarily care that um, they don't it's have a plan. They don't have, it's not going to be yeah. perfect, but they're just going to do it so they can actually just make something. And um, that's one thing I love about uh, Australian and New Zealand, um, if you want to dump the Kiwis in there as well, a film which is Dead Alive. Um, because it is just that sense of, oh, I get to, I'm going to make a movie. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's not, this movie's not going to be perfect and it's not going to make any sense, especially body melt. Um, but it's, we're just making something and we're just going to make it fun and we're going to have fun with it. And that's comes all through, um, body melt. I mean, yeah, this movie kills multiple children. It (laughs) is absolutely insane. It's got some of standard stock standard Australian soap actors. So you're watching like certain, like the pregnant lady is played by an actress called Lisa McCune, who is kind of considered the kind of an Australian sweetheart almost. And just to see her belly explode and to give birth to a placenta and have to call a doctor and go, can you give birth to a placenta a month before you give birth? (laughs) It's just, Oh my God. Yeah. That was so nuts. (laughs) That was probably the most over, like that was the, that was the hardest scene to watch. I think for sure. Yeah. Yeah, especially even over the deck exploding, which is that, that was funny. A lot. That was that yeah. was hilarious. But it says yeah. a lot about the the effect of the movie when yeah, it's it's just crazy. Yeah, well, well, I think we did body or do you guys? I think we did body melt justice. But do you guys have anything else you want to add about it before we move on to Lake Mungo? Well, no, I'm good. The only thing I'll I'll add is I was looking into I guess the director of this film and also the art punk group they're from like chick 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 i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly but they're a pretty interesting group and like i could see how like this film was less of like their magnum opus and more of like an experiment which kind of makes sense looking back at after watching the film like they made experimental music they scored the film and i could i could see that this is they would probably argue this is all performance art to an extent i think that would maybe be like the approach they kind of took with it i don't know if i would like necessarily label it that way Mm -hmm. but i think that makes sense for some of the like absurd aspects of this film and also maybe kind of where i don't know where where, like the inspiration from for it from it came because for the most part this film really just talks about like pharmaceutical bad consumerism bad (laughs) Which, well, knowing that, like, gym supplements, like, that's why we need a remake of Body Melt in 2022. I think we do. I think, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. with you on that. Like, gym supplements are bigger than ever. Let's get some fucking Body Melt action going. Someone, Hollywood, are you listening? Yes. Hollywood, yeah, want, listen. <laughs> actually, no, I want a Body body uh, body Melt remake, but I want it made by the, the lead singer of Midnight Robert Oil. Eggers. <laughs> Midnight... <laughs> Sure. Oil Imagine it's just like a three hour, it's just three hours of someone's like fucking muscles exploding. That's like, they, there's so much like bladder effects in this movie. And that's the last thing I'll say about it is I love how much, because you do not see bladder effects anymore. No, uh, it's like the yeah. kind of stuff where it's just it like is. faces, like, you know, inflating and deflating and then you, stuff exploding. Like it's so goofy. You just don't get bladder effects like you used to, man. Shit's no, fucked. I know. Rest in peace, life. 2021. All right. <laughs> Rest in peace, life. 
Let's move on to Lake Mungo. The following is based on true events. Can you interpret dreams? Mm, sometimes. How do you feel when you wake up from these dreams? They scare me a bit. For Alice Palmer, underneath the hopes of a bright future were suspicions. I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. That death was near. You scared of dying? Yeah, of course I'm scared of dying. That was the last time that I saw her. I kept hearing noises in the hallway. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. I feel like I can't do anything. I think Ali saw a ghost. I didn't have any rational explanation for who was in those photos. Something was happening inside that house and I wanted to find out what it was. There was a ghost in the house. Well, yeah, we're talking about Mungo number five. I mean, we are talking about Lake Mungo from 2008. Um, Lindsay Wilkins, this is your second pick of the podcast. Normally, we only let guests pick one movie, um, but we we knew this was going to be a great double feature. Why did you pair this one up with Body Melt? Um, I sort of thought of this beforehand because, as I was talk- mentioning to Kyle before, um, I had not heard of this movie, and if I, I did, I thought it was this American indie. I didn't actually realize it was Australian. And when I sat down and watched it, it confused me. A, not as much as, like, a Lynch movie does, but definitely in that same ballpark. And I think it's just an absolutely new, unique movie that um, I swear is made by ghosts. Like, um, <laughs> this movie, it kind of feels like one of those little secrets that you swap when you swap, like, VHSs or something. Um, and and yeah. I still don't know... I kind of like the fact this movie is a mystery. I don't want to read too much into it because I like to think that it's an actual thing and not something that's crafted, if that makes sense. And that's why I really wanted to talk about it because I think it's one of the more most u- unique movies you will ever see. Wow. Yeah, and there's also, there's not much telling us that we can't look at it that way because like the people in the movie are not actors and nope. the director disappeared after this. He so did. It's, it's kind of like the biggest mic drop moment in the 20th century for horror. Honestly, yes. like uh, this is a movie that so many people have slept on. And I'm sorry, Kyle, for all I know, Kyle fucking hated it. The movie is actually creepy. Like this is like one of the only movies in my adult life to actually scare me. Uh, it I think really it's, it's genuinely is, a creepy movie, especially when, cause I thought it was a, found footage movie it's not it's a mockumentary or as yeah. i like to think an actual documentary um and it's not about the jump scares except for one right at the end that i think you can kind of say right. is a jump scare but it's just it this kind of and it's god it lasts i just nope i'm not looking at the screen um <laughs> yeah it's really confronting and it's just this really quiet kind of thing and i think that when i first saw it i think i gave it about a three out of five because i think it confused me a little bit just because i didn't know what i was watching and then watching it this time around um i haven't put it on letterbox yet but it's probably going to get higher just because 
I think I noticed the strangeness of it more, like all these weird tiny little beats um, of things that they just gloss over that you just want to go, wait, 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 hang on, you did what now? Um, In this movie that the way it deals with grief and the way it sort of deals with how you remember someone has going in and tying everything kind of together and also the fact that it's last the the crux of the movie happens in Lake Mungo in Australia says so even a whole bunch more bunch more about what this movie is actually saying so um yeah it's it it, it I think you could watch this movie and get a different thing out of each time you're watching it right I could totally see that I think this movie like definitely welcomes like repeat viewings oh especially yeah. especially like as the film progresses like I mean even on, on my first watch this is my first time seeing it there was definitely things as a like um, I don't want to give too much away, but as it wraps up, you're kind of like, oh, wait a minute. Like, but, but beyond that, I think, yeah, I think just watching it from the beginning to really kind of see where those, I guess, red herrings a little bit would, how, how they're planted and how that adds to the, like the larger context of what's happening, because it's like meticulous the way this film is constructed. It's really, yeah. it's really mm. thoughtful in that way. And yeah. It, it, oh, sorry, you go. It's that shit that is what creeps me out the most this time around. Like where I feel like, cause this is my second time watching it and I feel like it's weird cause I knew where it was going to go and I don't know how spoiler heavy we're going to go. I think maybe we should just say that we're going to have a spoiler warning from now on. Cause it sounds like yeah, the three of us at least got something out of it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is going to be a spoiler warning right here. We're going to start just openly talking about this movie. Cause I think you have to. Um, but regardless to say, if you haven't seen Lake Mungo, this is one of those movies that even if you end up not loving it the way that everyone else does, this is a must watch. I think this is essential viewing if you're wanting to look at like the the new age of horror and like what it's capable of. Like this came out one year after Paranormal Activity, but right. it's yet still like they clearly didn't know about each other when they were mm. happening. Like that's happened so many times where like two movies that share similarities and that's the thing is even if you're not a fan of paranormal activity, that does not mean that you're not going to like, like Mungo. It's it's a completely different beast. It's a different beast, but it is just like, yeah, I think it's one of the most like creative, like this is to me the new, like this is the, the runner up to the Blair witch project in terms of this kind of filmmaking. That's how good Lake Mungo is the way that it handles and crafts the story and the the environment and the history behind everything it just everything feels so authentic and even though i knew the twist i was still getting scared at the the fake outs the red herrings yeah and it's like that's how you know you have a really good fucking movie no it's kind of weird because this movie like blair witch is the master at knowing where to put the camera so you're looking at a specific thing now in blair witch is right, obvious right. because you, someone's holding the camera weird and you can only see part of the screen or part of what they're looking at. But I was kind of watching it because I was trying to find, um, I guess since we're going into spoilers, I was trying to find Alice throughout the movie and I kept missing her. Even though I knew she was always there somewhere, which I don't know if was scarier, having someone who's just lurking in the background or having like in Polter, um, uh, the other mention movie you mentioned, um, not Poltergeist, um, Paranormal, Paranormal activity. activity, where you actually have things moving and kind of everything like that. I don't know which is scarier. This is far um, scarier. I oh, think. this is far. Yeah. yeah. Just knowing that it's, she's it's a different, it's a different kind of scare though. Like, cause the yeah. thing is like legit, like I know it's not like such a threat, but legit, um, <laughs> but like Lake Mungo gets under my skin. Mm. And paranormal activity is a it's a fun scare fest. Like it's a fun mm. like 
oh, let's hold our breaths when we feel like something crazy is about to happen. Like there is some merit in that. And that's why oh, I hate sure. when people, well, I hate when people shit on Kyle, shut the fuck up. Why are you always shitting on the paranormal activity franchise? I don't know. <laughs> you always say it's not cinema. Neither is anything Marvel. Well, <laughs> and they're all just theme parks. I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. You but and Scorsese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, like, paranormal activity, it does, like, what it sets out to do. But it's kind of more of, like, instant gratification, where this is kind of like a slow burn, in a way. Okay, there you go. I agree with that. Yeah. We're on the right track here. Yeah. All right, th- thanks for getting us on track, Hey, it's, uh, it's what I do every I'm, time. I'm sorry for getting out of hand. I didn't mean that. I really love you. <laughs> Kissy on the lips. <laughs> Anyways... Uh... Yeah, this is my first time seeing it. The first time I ever heard about this film, actually, though, was from friend of the show, Chris Stuckman. Uh, he, he made a video a couple years ago about this movie. Okay, actually. I, I, and I watched it today, and I, I saw the comments, and there were so many people who were being like, yo, Chris Stuckman's the reason this movie blew up. And it's just like, that well, can't be real. That can't, I, and there's probably, to be fair, there's probably he definitely got some eyes that. on it. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, good for him, but... Uh, so, no, I had not seen this film. It's my first time watching it. I watched it after Body Melt, which <laughs> I think was the right move. I think it, I think it was the right move. I, I did, I I did was... it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, well, I did the same thing as you, Lindsay. I watched it, and I watched it right before bed, and, yeah, it wasn't a good sleep. Yeah. Well, I think it was the right move. However, like, I was kind of, like, amped up after Body Melt, you know, and then this was kind of, like, this somber, like, kind of, like, contemplating sort of experience that... I don't know if I was quite ready for it. I probably should have took a break. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, this this is a film that really knows how to use found footage in an interesting way where it's it's self-referential to the actual footage, and it, but it uses it as a plot device in some ways too, like especially with the brother, right? Like there's ways that like the footage he's creating in the found footage, like it's sort of yeah. like there's, there's a lot of like, like meta narrative sort of uh, things happening in this film. But I didn't find any of that too hokey or too like convoluted. That's the thing. Like, in a way, this movie should be really convoluted, but it's definitely not. It's just it's very well planned out. And I think where the movie totally shines is actually in the editing room. I think this is like one of the best edited films I've ever seen. Oh yeah. yeah. Just imagine like all these like from what I understand. Someone please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like a lot of the dialogue is not scripted. It's maybe like there's prompts given perhaps to like what they should be saying. And, like, they're not actors, and then to, like, the nonsense that's happening, not nonsense, but, like, to a lot of, like, the chaos that's happening, and, like, what you were mentioning earlier, uh, Lindsay, with, like, where the camera mm. is placed, like, that's all stuff that could, like, make for a terrible film with the wrong editor. Because there's just... Oh, yes. There's yeah. too many yeah. scenarios and situations and reactions and ways to sort of create a narrative that could go... I guess, yeah, convoluted. It could go wrong and be convoluted in like, how this movie actually isn't because it's it's just incredibly competent. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in like in the way like a Fincher film is competent. It's yeah. just like very that's well a good, executed. That's a good yeah. reference is the Fincher film. Because, yeah, the, the film, it takes, a, it takes this tragedy, which is a teenage girl is found dead. And then like there's just so many layers of grief, healing, and like all in like denial, sadness, anger, closure. All of that is like just peeled back in this like mockumentary style film and well, it's so effective because the mood like the mood just feels so real like this movie yeah, makes the room feel cold 
back to the editing, the whole thing reminds me of a current affairs show. In Australia, we have this thing called Four Corners, which is kind of these one-hour documentary that can be anything from a past uh, event to um, a political thing to um, investigative journalism, um, but they kind of structure it the same way where you kind of get to know this group of people and then it kind of slowly opens up. Right. And um, well, It's kind of like 60 Minutes, I guess, like a yeah, expose. Yeah expose kind of thing and you're looking yeah. at this kind of family and this event and what actually happened to this girl um and it's just so you do get sucked in like you're watching sort of this expose kind of thing that would show be shown on a sunday but it's this supernatural story and it is so sad like yeah you great this is such a cold movie but it is such a sad movie on top of yeah, that because totally. you feel for this family who can't let go of their daughter because of obvious reasons, but then you go through and there's all these red herrings about what is actually happening. Yeah. Ray, the most amazingly dodgy psychic I've ever seen in a movie. I love <laughs> so much. If we could have, you know, the adventures of Ray, that would be great. Um, and, but at the same time, you kind of take it on as what you're watching is kind of fact. Like every single time yeah, something's yeah. up ended, you're like, oh, wait, this is not what I'm what I'm watching. Oh, okay, cool. Um, we're into something else. Well, it comes off so earnest, right? Like these conversations yeah. you have with everyone and you're constantly revisiting these people because it's an interview style, you know, documentary-esque film. So like, it's not like we're really given the time to process a lot of these things because we're still revisiting them and more information is coming mm-hmm. out. And then we're also, as a viewer, taking that in while you know, the family is dealing with their grief in various ways. So I think that's, what's really like intriguing about this film is like, as a viewer, you're dealing with the grief while the family is as well. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And you're watching that, like the, the kid fuck with them and like, you know, plan out the like appearances of her. And it's like, that's when it just, Oh my God, there's just chills directly down my spine. When you start seeing like the two, like the neighbor, Mm. in the house um Ugh. like that there's just so much that's that's what i'm talking about like where it was actually like it's creepy when you think that you're seeing her shadow and it is planted but then you're like okay so that's gone and then you go right into seeing the neighbor hiding in the corner yeah. and it's like that's that's even scarier to me because i'm a guy who like as much as it sucks to say like i don't believe in any of that shit like mm. at all and so i and i'm very close with people who have like they're very spiritual and i respect that and everything but i just like it would be way scarier to me to see your neighbor in in the frame of your house and like trying to figure out why your daughter's dead like it's it's just such a like the 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 movie is so incredibly layered and oh i find it so chilling like this is like one of the most chilling ghost stories and even like, there's so many people will be like, "Well, it's not technically a ghost story." It's like, "Fuck, this what? is a ghost story." Yes! Talking to me? Get out of here. Yeah, it's kind of absolutely the- a ghost story. This is kind oh, of like yeah. the gritty, like Scooby Doo movie we never asked for, you know? Because <laughs> think about like a Scooby Doo villain. It's like it's, it's, all, it's all, all these breadcrumbs. Yeah. yeah. But I think overall, like the way that because like the mockumentary style is interesting. I don't know. Like mockumentary implies comedy to me, but mm. I, I feel like. There's, yeah, there's, I agree. There's, there's no comedy in this. Yeah, this is not funny. It's not. It's it's weird to yeah. call it a mockumentary, even though there's probably it's a better term for it. For it. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm just gonna stick with that for now. But there's probably I'm with a you, Carl. Word. We're dumb Canadians. Yeah, we are dumb without a doubt. Yeah. Um. So the style of it though is interesting because when we talked about uh, the last exorcism, that's in a way like a mockumentary with comedy with 
you know, dealing with, you know, I don't even else. see comedy in that movie though. Well, I think there is for sure comedic elements for sure. Definitely. And yeah, like, you're also a psychopath, but uh, that's besides the point. Uh, there, and I remember th- when we talked about that film, I think actually like those comedic elements are like moments, like lighter moments kind of worked for it because I liked how there was the goofiness of that film worked because it wasn't 100% taking itself seriously. And I think at the time I thought if something like this was taking itself too seriously, maybe I wouldn't fuck with it as much. But this movie definitely proved me wrong because this is just a serious story. It's it's a drama for, you know, 80% of it, more or less. You know, there's a, there's a lot of dramatic elements in this film that are just pushed in a really interesting way because the mockumentary style of it at times when you brought up like being like an expose lens you, you really nailed it there because mm-hmm. that's kind of what works for it because it's not like we're oh here's the camera crew and like it's not Blair Witch in that way where like the camera crew is like uh, how do I put this like that point of view is in like the only view we get we get like establishing shots and we get kind of like footage interlaced we get like a really like full experience like an archival it's like experience. a CBC documentary or like any exactly. type of yeah yeah any type of expose and that is absolutely the best approach for this because then we start to like believe aspects of oh. this film and like kind of like what you were saying at the top of the uh, of this topic here Lindsay like you still believe it or like you want it to be true and yes. I think the film kind of sets that out and I think it accomplishes that like I think that's I mean that's my assumption I feel like the filmmakers wanted that to be the response and I think they were successful no, I think they were because when you sort of start off, you're not just into being the fa- you're not just with the family, but you're also with their neighbors. Their not the Tuies. I don't think they were ever interviewed, but um, the the work you with the work colleagues, the police officer. Um, oh yeah. Oh, I That's love her investigation. so much. And it's yeah. a realistic kind of approach to something like that. Yeah, and you're seeing him, um, the uh, Matt, the the son, working at the photo um, place, and the guy sort of, yeah, oh, no, he's really interested in photography, and this is what he does. It just sets yeah. up the world so well and how um people respond to people who are in the depths of grief like the one woman who said well they're not church people so i didn't know how to comfort them and <laughs> it, it's it's just got these kind of weird australianisms that i just giggle at just and they're never the family they're all the kind of people just talking about them yeah. um that i think really kind of builds up who this family is because you get their point of view on the family the family's point of view of themselves which ultimately is never actually the reality of what's happening and then you get these into into Mm -hmm. shots of alice the girl who died um kind of performing for the camera i don't know it's i I was kind of trying to nail nail in on what those kind of intercuts were if they were her kind of being trapped within sort of a photograph or like she is in the movie or if um these are kind of the lies that she was trying to tell everyone and not give herself out to everyone if that makes any kind of sense no, that makes perfect sense that's kind of how i read it but i could yeah. see the other the other side of the coin like you were describing um so yeah it's just this amazing kind of movie and how it just lays on these little details upon details like that moment in the beginning where you find out the mother's been going as she says oh i walk around the neighborhood because i don't oh, want to go to sleep i'm having these terrible dreams but then you find out that she's been breaking into people's houses and it's this throwaway oh my line God. yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Good. and you just like i was just like i didn't catch it the first time i'm like she did what now <laughs> it's just... it, it totally. feels like have you guys seen abducted in plain sight no but i've heard no. of it. I know okay it, it, that's an it's an absolute must watch documentary mm. but like this like it's like that duck is so insane that it's not far off from this and that's it's like it feels just as real yeah. as that and like abducted in plain sight is real that happened and the main actor the the main person in it that they talk to she's in elijah wood's maniac 
which oh, we found out because film. Diego watched Abducted in Plain Sight and then decided to randomly watch Maniac and that like the main person from the documentary was in Maniac getting scalped <laughs> by Elijah oh, Wood. Oh, wow. That, that is so wild. <laughs> what are the chances? That's weird. Yes. There is no a story about a girl being kidnapped twice by the same guy, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> But, one, uh, thing, one thing I wanted to, I forgot to mention, it, we were talking about like it being a mockumentary, because I just read that it was a mockumentary, so like I thought maybe there would be comedy, I don't know, and like when their first like couple uh, interviews were happening, I was like, okay, like are we going to bust into some like summer, summer Heights High right now, like what am I expecting, like I don't, I don't. <laughs> and then, and then when I saw like the grandfather of the of the family like alice's grandfather who looks like that one like white old man from the meme like the meme of the white old man like smiling you guys know what i'm talking oh, yes. about <laughs> he looks exactly like that guy and i was like and he did a crack a joke and i was like okay well this is no no this is a serious matter i need to kyle um please take your hat off in church yeah <laughs> yeah no there's like not a single shred of comedy in this movie no, it's just so bleak and i love it that way though yeah, um, I don't know. Ray, I think, is the comic relief person. Yeah, I, I was going to say, <laughs> like, like, yeah, maybe not totally deliberately, but definitely for, for to some extent. And yeah. like, the, I think the way the film wraps itself up is a really good, like, it, it has a form of closure in a way, like a little bit, you know, especially like what the family like they decide like they take that final photo in front of the house of them like wanting to leave it and stuff like mm. that, like that. I mean, as devastating as a lot of this film was, like, that was kind of nice in a way, like, a little bit. Like, I found that to be, like, okay, like, this is a family that is, we just watched them go through, like, so much shit, like. It's kind of hopeful. It's a little hopeful. And and I I mean, I, I kind of appreciated that because I think without something like that it may have been a little too heavy handed. Um, Mm -hmm. and I I think that really worked for it. That being said that we have very interesting, um, uh, I guess after credit scenes <laughs> that are pretty uh, pretty revealing in some ways, which maybe add to the devastation. I don't know. Well, yeah, because it turns out to be like the creepiest Where's Wally, and I kept trying yeah. to find her in it this time around, and could kept missing her. Like I keep forgetting which side of the screen um, Alice is actually hanging out, but I think she's nearly meant to be nearly every single shot that you just can't mm-hmm. see her or something. <sighs> yeah, something like that. Like she's always there she's in every she's always in that movie um and the fact that they're always talking about her the fact that you're seeing photos and everything like that i think it's um just adds to the creepiness because Mm -hmm. no one's ever really talking to her directly they're talking about her and if she's always kind of there huddled in the corner it's like listening to people talk about you it's it's a very strange yeah well and thematically that makes a lot of sense too because when people are grieving like you don't like you like you grieve as if the person has never left and they're there with you, right? Like you, that that's where a lot of the trauma comes from. So exactly. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Mm. Um, no, this movie is just in, incredible. I really, lo- the second watch, I was just kind of falling in love with it, just with um, the different people, just the way the different characters, you kind of fall in love with this family when they're going through their worst time. Um, yeah. And I love the fact that you never really get to know Alice. She's this kind of, <laughs> figure that they're talking about constantly you see constantly but you never quite know her going back to um david lynch and mulholland drive it's um yeah it's you just never there's something you can't quite grasp in that movie yeah it's very eerie Mm. Uh, a pretty interesting double feature would be lake mungo and then still alice where uh (laughs) i still haven't seen that (laughs) for julianne more uh 
uh, starts to lose her memory. Maybe she's the oh, same Alice. Yes. Who knows? Who knows? You don't. You <laughs> don't want to watch till Alice had the father. Now that's a dumb. That's a that's oh, a dumb no. picture <laughs> where you're just <laughs> maybe do that those two and then toss on Blue Valentine on top of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe the maybe those two and then you take a cold shower. I don't know. That's shower, a fun. Oh, dancer in the dark, just really, <laughs> yeah, just, the just go all the way, all the way. <laughs> oh, and with all that, I think, uh, are you guys ready to wrap this one up tonight? We can all say Lake Mungo yeah. is an incredibly creepy, awesome horror movie that everybody should check out. But do you guys have anything else you want to add tonight? I guess I'll just say that I think, like, to call this movie unique is kind of an understatement. I think, in a lot of ways, it could have been completely, like, very easily cliche and almost like exploitative in some ways but i don't think at all is like i don't think that film this film does that at all so i would highly recommend it recommend it as well um i think it is a special movie that even if you watch 10 times you will get something else out of it yeah i feel like every time you like this is the second time i watched it and i already got a couple things out of it that i didn't the first time and it's just it's such an incredibly layered creepy ghost story and uh it's one of a kind so i'm super happy that we could finally talk about it on this air table and i'm so happy that you could be the one to bring it to us Lindsay. thank you so much for being thank here you. this thank was you. such thank a you. such a good time talking body uh, melt no thank Lake you Mongo. so oh thank you so much for having me on this has been an absolute blast um no i've been listening to you guys for about a um since daniel i think was on daniel epler and shout out I, I shout just, out Shout out, shout out to the great Daniel Leffler. And um, no, to be so to be on, come to be asked to come on here was an absolute honor. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And this isn't going to be the last time. This is, uh, this is definitely going to happen again. Excellent. Um, I look forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah, also, yes. Yes. And if you ever want to schlock an all, just let me know because I'm happy to have any of you on. So it's going to be great. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Kyle, you got to get on that. Like Agent Cody Banks one and then Agent Cody Banks two. Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That is a definite shock and all. <laughs> and that's also an inside the sequel. Like I'm just saying, we got to get Kyle oh, right. and Chris Hurtado in the same room at some point. Like yeah. I want to hear just I want to hear an hour and a half of them trying to fill air. Trying to <laughs> about, I'm I'm ready for sleepover. Oh yeah. my god! Oh. Yeah, that's such a Kyle movie. Yep. Awesome. Yes. Uh, well, Lindsay, where can people find Schlock and Awe, and where can people follow you? Um, they can find Shock and Awe at any of the podcast apps um, that are around. I'm pretty sure it's all up on there. Um, if you want to follow Shock and Awe on Twitter, um, you can at Shock and Awe One, and also on Instagram, Shock and Awe One. Awesome. Yeah. I got one well, thing I forgot to mention last time we recorded, uh, which I should plug because I might as well. Uh, my band River Sleem recently put out some of our uh, cas- a cassette release of our debut EP. And you can find that at riversleam.bandcamp.com. All the proceeds of the tapes, the white tapes, will uh, be donated to Prairie Harm Reduction, a local uh, safe injection site. So if you feel so inclined, you can head over to pick up a tape. They're pretty cool. I will definitely check that out. That sounds awesome. Cool. Hell yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of The Terror Table, and we will see you next week. (laughs) Bye. I think (laughs) thanks.